Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. My name is Danny Flood, and I have a really interesting guest for you guys today. Her name is Eugen Do. Did I say that right, Eugen? Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Danny. Hello, my name is Eugen Do, and then I just started my own project, which is making a documentary about digital nomads named One Day Ticket. My, the dom- uh, URL on my website is digitalnomaddocumentary.com. Digitalnomaddocumentary.com. Yeah. So, a bit more about Yujin here. She's a digital nomad from South Korea. Uh, she's raised over $7,500 already and has just a few days left to, to go to reach her goal of $10,000 to make this dream of hers a reality. And I just heard about her a couple of days ago and I thought, you know, I want to do whatever I can to help her succeed in this because... I can see so much of myself in, in Eugen and what she's doing with her projects, uh, her efforts to crowdfund this project and get it off the ground. I think a lot of us can relate out there uh, as we, we start our own initiatives. And Eugen is proof that digital nomads come from all walks of life, all nationalities, both genders and all age groups. And I think one thing we all have in common is we're asking questions saying, why, you know, why should we follow this traditional path that's not working? Maybe we can find a better way. So, Eugen, just wanted to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thank you for Danny. <laughs> Eugen, um, where should we start? Tell me, what does the word digital nomad mean to you? Tell me about your story. Oh, okay. To be honest, um, I'm not sure I can say this, but to be honest, I just, uh, when I just started the road a year ago, actually, I didn't even know about what does it mean as a digital nomad, because for me, I got no idea what is the digital nomad, and then I didn't even think about there would be a lot of people who which work and live remotely. So I just started my own travel, and then somehow I just got a lot of job offer, and I was kind of really lucky to have really a lot of opportunity to work for some company remotely. I could travel and work at the same time. And then after a year, I just realized, wow, actually I can earn I can earn money on the road and I don't have to go back to the office work nine to six. And then after that, that was kind of a huge turning point. And after that, I met a lot of friends on the road. And then although this kind of epidemic deuteronomic trend thingy just started like, I guess, last year, 2014, there was a guy named Peter Levers and then he just launched his website Nomadless and then there are, you can see all the like best places for digital nomad to work and live. And then all people just started like gathering each other and they just host meetup in their city. 
And so, yeah, I'm so excited. And now I just feel like, oh, this is something called digital nomad. And then I'm really happy to uh, I'm really happy to be part of this community. So, Yujin, take me back. Uh, take me back to when you started this journey, because um, I think what's interesting about you is and unique is that you're from uh, South Korea. Yeah, where... I'm originally South Korea. This 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 type of life, lifestyle is not very common in your culture. I mean, don't you feel like a, a pressure <laughs> <laughs> from other people? Mm, okay, so Tell me about that. Mm, I was born and grew up in South Korea, like almost almost twenty years. Like I never ever there's no time to go overseas uh, before I graduated my high school. So I just thought I didn't even think about traveling over, uh, overseas or studying outside. I was okay, just elementary school, middle school, high school, and maybe university. And after that, okay, I'm going to get a job in Samsung or LG, like those kind of big company, you know, make, making making a like, smartphone or something. And then maybe, okay, maybe I'm going to get married and have a, have a baby. That is kind of the typical ordinary people in my country. And I believe there will be a lot of countries like this, especially in Asia. And then suddenly, I, I luckily I got a chance to study in uh, China for free in university because they offered me the first scholarship. And then that was my first time to go to outside of my country. And then after that, I don't know, my just whole world, it totally changed it. And then, actually, like I got, I have no idea where is my real home right now. So, sometimes I just stop by Seoul, like once a year or once uh, once in two uh, two years or three years. And then, many people around me, including my father or other people, friends, they think, okay, she's just kind of weirdo and she's not gonna get married or sometimes. But I'm really happy. I'm really happy about my lifestyle. So people around me, they are also happy about that. So the first time you left Korea, uh, you left Korea yeah. for the first time, you studied in China. Yeah. And then that, that kind of opened your eyes. You suddenly had a new perspective, like, uh, you know, these people are different than where I'm from. Can you tell me about the moment or the day when you realized that this conventional lifestyle that you just described uh, wasn't right for you? I'm not the kind of special person or I'm not a extraordinary brave or something. Consider myself as just a typical normal girl because if I couldn't get a chance to if I couldn't get a chance to go to China, I think I'm pretty much sure I'm still working for some kind of big company in Korea without any traveling. Um, when I started studying in China, I just realized, okay, when I speak in another another language, which is Mandarin, it felt like my whole world is getting kind of doubled. And then I could meet lots of friends. And then there are too many opportunities, which is which are I couldn't I never ever could find out in South Korea. So that was kind of huge turning point. And then and then after that, after graduate after my graduate, I just realized okay, only the China, the, the, the uh, really close neighbor country of South Korea was like this interesting and kind of totally opened my eyes. And then 
rest of this world is how big would be. And then I didn't want to just stay in the one stationary place, which is South Korea. Okay, I just wanna tra- I just wanna travel more. I wanna explore more. So I think that was kind of really a big turning point, I guess. You mentioned when you when you began, you said that um, you're not exceptional. Do you do you feel that in Korea? Uh, you have this pressure to be exceptional, to be in the top 1%. And that's, if, if you're not in that top 1% or 2%, then you basically have not many, very many good options in life. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be, uh, okay. Can you tell so me about I, that? What, yeah, what I say could be sound a little extreme, but to be honest, in South Korea, I... Okay, when you just realize, okay, I'm not a top 1%. I don't have any building. I don't have any business. I don't have any factory from my family. Okay, it means I'm the rest of 99%. It means there will be not that many options. You can choose your entire whole life. That sounds really extreme, but that's true. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So how old were you when you first uh, first went to China? You said you were in high school, and... um... I know you, you ran away from home because uh, you weren't happy with your life back home. Uh, were you afraid once you set out on your own? Once, mm. once you arrived by yourself? I mean, was there uncertainty and doubt? What, what was the feeling like then? Mm. Yeah, that was not that enjoyable story, but yeah, my childhood was pretty... Uh, that was kind of really, really blue and kind of gloomy because I... I don't know. I think I couldn't get enough affection and uh, everything from my support from my family when I was in South Korea. So I don't know. For me, that was the only way to get out from that kind of not the happy environment. For me, that was like, how can I say like, okay, this this one, the going to China and study, studying abroad could be my last chance in my last of, last of my life. So I took it, and then, yeah, it, it did, it was really, it was really kind of scary at the first time because I, I could realize, okay, from now on, I'm the only one who can take care of my, myself. I'm the only one who should look after me. I'm the only one who can earn money or everything. So it was really scary. But at the same time, I really didn't want, I did, I really didn't want to go back to my whole, the older life, which is, you know, family in South Korea. And then, so in China, I luckily could get a, the scholarship. So I didn't even worry about my dormitory or tuition fee. Even Chinese government, they gave me a living course. It, that was not that much, that was, but for, for the student, that was pretty enough. And then I think that was the first time I started to realize how to survive. <laughs> yeah, they say survive. So yeah, that for me, that was a pretty, really huge opportunity. And then for sure, for the first couple of years it's getting even hard harder and harder i always i i was kind of afraid about okay what if i i couldn't get any scholarship for the next semester because i had to keep up my keep my older grade and record student record really really good to keep to keep and get all those scholarship and then i'm the only one foreigner among the among my major more than like 150 students so i really had to study really hard to survive i there was a reason to study hard and then i think those 
kind of really hard moment uh, kept making me kind of really strong person, I guess. So after those couple of years, I don't know, for me, everything was kind of really only exciting and getting easier and easier because I kind of adapted by myself, that kind of life. So yeah, that's what I learned. And you've, you've been, uh, it's been seven years since you've left home and you've been working and uh, traveling all over the world. You went to U.S., you worked at a startup there, uh, you were in Australia, um, can you can you tell me how have you changed since you started this journey of being a nomad and then uh, eventually becoming a digital nomad? Mm. So after graduation, my high school, I could got I got a job offer from San Francisco. There was an online education startup. They wanted to expand their market into China and Korea, and then I'm the one who can speak in Korean and Chinese. So. I took that job offer, and then I started my career. That was really interesting, and that was a huge opportunity. And then that's the time I started speaking English, so yeah. And then that was really nice. And then I just realized, uh, at that time, was I realized, wow, this is, the, this is the thing called startup and tech industry, which is really exciting and interesting. And then after that, I don't know, mm, I just... Oh, sorry, Danny, but could you, <laughs> could you, could you tell me once again the what kind of story I can say about this? Um, sure. So I just wanted to ask you, like, uh, how have you changed mm-hmm. from when you you first left home? Um, because you mm-hmm. you seem very confident now. Was it always this way? Ah, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> ah, I want to speak in Korean or Mandarin. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we we tried that before the call. It didn't it didn't work so well. <laughs> okay, so in China, in China, okay, every day was kind of better feel because I had to compete with older like Chinese student, local student to get a scholarship. So at that time, I didn't even think about like being scary or being frustrated or something. Every day, I just had to stay the whole night and just stuck in the big library and study all days. And then, yeah, the one thing I really regret about is I didn't even have any time to travel when I was in China for four years. So after China, after I graduated my university, one of the things I really wanted to do was traveling. So I didn't know about working remotely or like being digital nomad up at back then. And then, in uh, in a work uh, when I was uh, when when I used to work in San Francisco, and sometime when I have vacation, I travel a lot in the states. And then after that, I just hit the road again. And I just wanted to surf in Bali and Australia, so I started traveling. And then luckily, I got a lot of job, and I just realized, oh, actually, there's nothing I have to worry about because there are a lot of people who work and live remotely and wherever they want, and they decide when and where, with whom, and doing what by themselves. It means this is not that kind of extraordinary or exceptionally hard to do or this is not some kind of thing for only weirdos or anarchists or um, like bohemian so i don't know for me it's not the kind of really special stuff for me it's more like for the future it would be i guess because you know like at this moment even in the 
even in the office, in the little cubicle, all jobs can be done on online. Even there, they communicate with their coworker with the messenger, not impersonally. So there is no reason uh, we should put all together the people in the same location at the same time. So I think like after few after few, I don't know how easy it takes, but that is kind of the part of our future generation, I guess. And I'm, I mean, to be honest, I mean, really, I need to keep saying this. I'm not that special person at all. And then I'm not even a developer or designer because many people think um, working remotely or being digital nomad is only only open opportunity for the developer or designer. But to be honest, I can't quote at all. I just recently started and it's getting even hard, but I really like it. But I can't make any money from it because I'm not an expert. But I'm doing it and it's pretty, really exciting. And there's not that many obstacles be, to be like, to be live like this. Okay, so you're saying that this is, this is becoming, uh, we're just at the start of this, basically. And yeah. you mentioned uh, remote working. So you're saying that... Uh, you don't have to be particularly talented or special or smart. This this is something that's not going to go away and that we're just at the start of this, right? Yes. Uh, have you heard about Automatic, the WordPress? Automatic, uh, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt Mullenweg. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure we already know about it. And mo- most of the most of the employee of automatic, they also living in all, living in everywhere where they want. And then most of the people they must be work from home, but less of the people they must be travel and live wherever they want. So also on the road, I met a lot of digital nomad who is not only work as a tech tech industry tech workers. I met a lot of product manager or communication manager, although like manage, uh, manager stuff, management, management, uh, managing stuff. So I just, I thought, oh, this is not only for the like freelancer writer or startup people. That, that is kind of thing for available for most of everyone. For sure, like let's say uh, professor or doctor or like police officer, they can't work remotely for sure. But rest of the most of the, especially office worker, it should be and it can be and it's available. It's kind of really open the option. So I'm really kind of excited, excited to see the for the next few years like changing, especially in the, especially in Western country. There are many, there are there are many startup, especially. There are many tech in, tech uh, tech company to provide this working monthly option for as a one of their benefit because many startup they don't um, many startup they really want to get re- they really want to get a good talented people but compared to the big company they don't have that much amount of financial financial resource so they offer the working monthly this option is as a, one of their benefit and especially many credit people for them the option for a working working monthly is the one of the biggest like tempting stuff for them so actually that is kind of really good for the startup to get all talented people from the overseas or so from the company side they can they could save lots of money for that as well to manage and to manage all their office physical office and then try to convince other people to move to the move to that certain city the company is located in so i think that is kind of really reasonable 
solution to the many startup people, startup, uh, startup company. And would you say that this this location dependence uh, it it kind of keeps people unhappy? It keeps people from doing what they really want, being where mm-hmm. they want. I I read. Um, I've been listening to some interviews with Jake Ducey. He's an author who wrote uh, The Purpose Principles and Into the Wind. And he quotes a statistic that he says uh, most American employees are are actively disengaged from their work. Uh, almost, I think, I don't know the exact number, maybe almost 70%. And clearly the way that we're working now, the way that we've been working, isn't working. So let, yeah. me, let me ask you, what's what's your vision and what's your mission for this documentary? When I try, uh, uh, while I traveling, I studied my Korean blog and recently I studied English blog. And then I started writing about what's the digital nomad and then working spaces in overseas and uh, all those people working there. I wrote about them in my Korean blog and that got huge viral, like, Okay, let's see. Whole Korean population is only fifty million, but my 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 Korean blog like get more than two thousand visitors every day, because they really wanted to know about what is the alternative way of re- way of living. Because especially in South Korea, in many Asian country, their work environment totally apart from work productivity, like what you said. Um, when I, when I used to work in Korea for a while, uh, for uh, for a while, that was really the kind of time. Let me think about what is the work productivity because many Korean employers they think uh, long uh, the long working hour they uh, they consider work a long working hour as the commitment of their commitment from employee about their company. And then they do love the employee to overtime every day, every day. So if I can just interject there, um, I, I was with a Korean friend and she's living here in Bangkok and, and she was telling me what it's like over there. And, and she says, you know, if I lived in Bangkok or if I lived in Seoul, uh, I, I would have to work, you know, 14 hours a day just to support myself. And wouldn't be able to have any life outside of work. Maybe have to sleep in the office. Is that the case there? Yeah, this is this is just exactly the typical the working environment in South Korea, and I believe many Asian countries still like this, because because there are too many candidates. They are fully prepared to get a full time job, but there are limited full time job in our society. There are too many candidates. They are waiting in a long line in front of the company. So if you do want to keep your job, you have to show your, let's say, commitment, <laughs> sarcasm, commitment, like instead of your, you know, the result of working productivity. So you need to show like it's a kind of performance. And then the thing is, by the law, you need, you should get paid extra payment about your overtime. But many Korean employers, they don't care about it at all and those kind of things are really accepted in this society because there are too many candidates you okay you are not happy with this okay then bye there are many candidates that's awesome they are even younger than you they are even smarter than you so (laughs) bye that's it (laughs) i can detect some emotion in your voice when uh, you answered that question like you know this this very well 
Yeah, but Eugene, there's there's no proof that that making your employees work this way is going to make the organization more productive. In fact, there's plenty of evidence to the opposite. I mean, human beings are not computers. We're not meant to run at high speeds continuously for long periods of time. And science backs this. So how how do they, uh, besides saying, you know, there's other people competing for your job and you have to protect your turf, is there any rationale for making employees work this way? I think many countries in Asia, they just, they are still kind of early on their early stage to be the next industry, let's say technology, like more creative stuff, right? Because after, uh, because still many countries in Asia is still in, uh, industrial, industrialized in society. So let's say you are a, you are an employee at the factory and you are making a smartphone or rice cooker or something. You are standing in front of the conveyor belt. Then for sure, if you, if you work, uh, if you, if you work longer, you can make more product, right? I think that's the kind of concept about work productivity in this country, I guess. And then it will be changed, I'm pretty sure, but it's still really slow because of our older generation. And our older generation is still the owner of most of the business, right? And then, but still, uh, but recently there are many changes in this society in many Asian countries. And that is kind of really looks interesting because many startups, Many uh, many startups it just started in South uh, in uh, in Asia, including Southeast Asia, and then they just realized longer longer working hour it doesn't mean more better work productivity. So yeah, I think definitely many changes are happening right now, and also it will change soon. Mm, so there so are many. You're trying, yeah. So you're you're coming in and you're trying to change this perception. You're trying to uh, get people around the world, but, but especially in a very conservative society like Korea, to uh, recognize that this is not the way forward. Yeah, for sure. Because I tried a lot. I tried to do, I tried to do what you are saying, that a lot, to let people know about that. There's an alternative way of living. And then what you are doing is not the only one option in your whole life. And that doesn't mean you work really hard that doesn't mean you are working in a productive, uh, in an efficient way. And also that doesn't mean you are running your business in a really better way, in an efficient way. And my work background is like media. So I interviewed and I, I, I was interviewing and writing about all those stuff. And then I did the same thing, more Korean blog. And there are, I got many audiences who agreed what I'm saying, but at the same time, I kind of really being frustrated because I realized still the majority of many, majority of people in this society is strongly believe this is what they are doing is right. The current system is the best way. And then working remotely or digital nomad, all those stuff is like just for a kid who just want to lie on the beach and don't want to work. And maybe let's say all the kids got first uh, trust fund or something. So I was really frustrated. And that's the time, that's the first moment I started thinking about, okay, um, if solid text is not enough to inspire people, and then still there's a certain limit to reach out to my audiences, okay, then what kind of 
on, I, I should try to find another way to let people know about this. And this is kind of the global, glo- uh, the global trend, not only in the Western country or something. How I can let people know about this? That was last, last, uh, last November or December. And then I just realized, okay, maybe vivid images could be much better more than solid text. If I can show people, there, hey, people, there are a lot of people, like just ordinary people there who live and work remotely and look at that, look at that. And everyone, they can go wherever they want. Everyone, they decided, can, they decided to work whenever they want. And also there is a, there is a research and many study. It's much better way and it should be. So why don't why don't you just hit the road? Why there there's no reason you need to stuck in there, you have to bear with it. And if there are if so after that, after, um so after this documentary, if I could get many if if I could get many audiences and if I can't um, let people know about this kind of another way of life, and then hopefully many people started in the road or try to convince their company to let them work remotely, then there will be a big changes. And then if if employee they are they are changed, and then for the employer they got only one option, which is try to adapt for the next generation to get a to get high to hire the better person to hire talented people because if all the employer they are being just keep being stubborn about their current way to hire people and then then there will be no talented people who want to work for them yeah i see so what you want to do is is you want to change people's minds you want to change hearts and minds um, and you found that before people weren't taking you very seriously. They're saying, oh, you know, you're just some gypsy or you know, <laughs> some homeless person. But you, you want to, like, actually uh, legitimize this. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're, what we're doing is we're, we're moving humanity forward. You know, yeah. this, this is human progress in action. And, you know, if, if people aren't happy with their lives, if they're not happy with their jobs... It's up to people like you to try to find a new way and, and offer to share that with people. What do you say? Yeah, that, yeah. So hopefully there will be lots of people who study the road or take an action. Then you know what? Whole, not only individual. I'm not talking about, yeah, for sure, one individual's life is really important. But the better part is those individuals' life changes can lead all the system and society to the next step. It's something totally exciting. I mean, I really, really want to do that. I really want to want to contribute a part of it. So, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that fear holds people back from joining this, uh, this movement to become a digital nomad or just work and live differently? What is it, what is it we're afraid of, do you think? Because they, they never ever been there. They never ever done that, right? So, yeah, this is a kind of human instinct. Like, this is like human's nature. How can I say? Um, human's nature being? No. Mm, oh, God. Okay. Mm, people <laughs> are afraid about something they don't know. This is totally nature. This is, there is no, there's nothing wrong. But the thing is, if you are stuck in just only one place, then 
there will be no another opportunity. There will be no something new for your rest of your life. I mean, okay, I don't want to blame the people who just saying every day, okay, I just worked and I did, I had some debate with my coworker or boss. My boss kept pushing around me and then I got no idea why I should be in the same place every day. Okay, I have to pay because I have to pay back my tuition loan and the mortgage loan. I have to buy a big car. I have to buy a big laundry machine. I don't know. Mm, there should be more than that. There should be better way. There should be better way to lead, to spend our life. So I hope. Mm, maybe so are I we, think are we afraid of losing what we have if we have all of those uh, physical possessions and you know a home? Yeah, many people around me they kept asking me. Okay. Um, I think what you are saying is really reasonable, and I do believe what you are saying is kind of really makes sense. It looks really awesome, amazing, but the thing is, there are too many reasons I can't just start hit the road. So when I ask them, okay, what is those reasons? What they are saying is, yeah, you know, I... The, you know, like to get this job was really hard. You know that this is company is really nice, and I I don't think I can get better job after this company. And then you know, my parents they are getting old. They're gonna get totally worried about me. I don't wanna make them worried about me. And then blah blah blah. And also, I traveling. You know, many people don't like the girl, especially girl who is traveling, because they think traveler is not. It's not stable, so I'm not gonna get married and blah blah blah. It's endless. Those excuses just endless. What I'm saying is, especially in South Korea, what I'm saying is, okay, um, do you have any business from your parents, or do you have any huge land or mountain for your parents? And for sure, most of people, hell no. They say hell no, and then okay, okay. Let me say something. Actually. You got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. And then just hit the road. And then there will be more opportunity. The only reason you think there is another opportunity in your life is because you don't want to say that. You just move step, just move only one step. Then there will be lots of other opportunity. You're going to meet, you're going to meet lots of pe- different people and totally interesting people. And who knows? There will be a co-founder. There, there will be your future co-founder or future, let's say, boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. Or there will be a lot of opportunity. Like they are just waiting for you. The only reason you can't take it is because you you are still there. Mm, yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So as long as you're worried about losing what you have. Uh... You rob yourself of the opportunity to discover what's waiting for you. And yeah. what, what's waiting for you could be 10 times better than what you're afraid of giving up. Mm, I don't say all the opportunity waiting for you on the road could be 10 times better than what you have right now. <laughs> what I'm saying is uh. it should be more, let's say, diverse, more dynamic, and more interesting. Something, you know, something you can. Something you're not gonna regret about that, you know. So, so you need to gain some perspective as well, and get some experience, and yeah. and see different ways to to view life, and uh, you can become a more complete person that way, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. You said something else interesting there. Uh, you said you have nothing to lose. I think that that mindset is very powerful as well when you realize that uh, all, all of these things that, that you put in your mind that you think you have to lose, um, you know, we're, we're just a tiny speck in an enormous tapestry. You know, the world, yeah. the world doesn't revolve around us. <laughs> and, and, you know, how, how do you feel about that? Did you find that to be empowering or is it scary to you? Um, when I had my own room, like that was kind of little tiny, not that luxurious. But for me, that was my universe, you know, <laughs> that was a place, something owned by me. That was something I can call my place, my home, and I'm the owner of this place. And then I became kind of really, let's say, insensitive to buy all those stuff for me because I had a place to store it, right? So I just spent my money and time for buying stuff. And my universe was only little tiny one room with all my possessions. And then after, let's say, being deuteronomed, I got rid of most of them. I sold most of stuff. I gave away less of my stuff. Now at this moment, on the, uh, now at this moment, I, uh, the stuff, the thingy I owned, it's only one little box, like stuff with my nostalgia, nostalgia stuff, like old photo, letters, and one little suitcase and one little backpack, the, what I carry on when I travel. So after that, my universe is, let's say, getting even, getting even bigger. So now I don't have no longer a stationary location I can call home, right? So now everywhere I go to is my home and my place. So I feel like, yeah, my whole world is getting even bigger and it's more like expanded. So I felt like more, I being more free. I know it's kind of too vague and something not feasible, tangible. Yeah, but that's what I felt. <laughs> so, so now that you're not worried about losing something uh, that you have, you, you feel like you're free to, to do anything that you want now? Because I, I got nothing to lose. <laughs> and to be honest, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure you already realized that because you're so right now you are in Thailand, you are kind of far away from your home. You are from North America, right? Yes, I'm from the U.S. originally. Yeah, U.S. got it. So I'm pretty sure you already know about it. And because you know, when you, um, when you when you're on the road, there's not that many things you need to buy. Isn't it right? No, I, I have uh, everything fits in my backpack. I have a few pair of clothes, uh, a few pairs of mm-hmm. clothes, and uh, my laptop and a couple of books. That's about it. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, <laughs> I think being minimalist, being minimalist, and being deuteronomic is totally perfect pair, perfect pair each other. Because if you if you are traveling, I mean, there's no um, certain fixed location you can stock in everything. You are being like. You are being more sensitive about uh, total size of your position and total weight of your position. You are being really sensitive because all of things kind of being obstacle to hit the road. So I just feel like um, when I used to work in San Francisco or Seoul, when I had a room for me, I was like, okay, now I have uh, black shoes. So maybe I might need brown shoes. 
And then, okay, this is spring, so I need uh, some colorful <laughs> bags and some colorful purse instead of that stupid black leather bag. Okay, I'm gonna get pink bag. So <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> and, and then now, and now I just only want small purse and the one my backpack. It's that's it. I don't need anything further than I. I don't want to talk about like stupid guru or yoga teacher. But it seemed like it's it's all right because I felt much better. <laughs> do, do you feel that you were programmed to to think this way from your culture and from society? You know that you need to have these shoes for spring, that these ones for winter. Um, it, it, how, how did that? How did your culture kind of influence the way that you thought used to think? Mm, first thing, first that's, thing, that's, I... that's really interesting. You know. <laughs> Especially for a girl, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. That's stupid. Okay, this is this year SS collection. This is like FW trend or something. I mean, people are being really sensitive about it. And then also for girls, can you imagine if you if there is a one girl who wear ev- same dress every day? Nada, nada. You're gonna, I don't know. So <laughs> no, no one's gonna like her, right? <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, first first thing I can pick is, I can say uh, as a reason of that is, let's say, lookism. People want to show and people, they want to brag about their social status. Like, uh, you know, if there's a male lion with a huge hair, giant hair, like awesome hair, they can get a more, uh, they can get a more female lions, right? I think like, although like expensive watch, expensive shoes, all those things, it's more like a symbol of their social status because that at this moment in the, in this kind of society, people, uh, people uh, this society forced people to adapt the society. This society forced to people to be sane, to be like because although like same people are e- really easy to manage in the big company, they are really, really easy to managing. Uh, so there's no way to express their own identity except although like expensive watch or colorful shoes. So maybe that's the one of the reason. And right. then the other one I can talk about it maybe um, because people don't have time to get rid of their stress. So let's say especially in Asia, so okay, Korea, Mm, okay, in Korea, if you get a job from Samsung, especially Samsung, you're gonna you get paid a lot. You're gonna get paid a lot, including incentive. But your life should be okay. Oh, it could be really miserable. You're gonna work Monday to Sunday. I'm not talking about Monday to Friday. You're gonna you should work Monday to Sunday, seven days a week, and sometimes you can get back to your home. There will be almost no time for you to meet your friend. There will be no time for you to read book or watch movie or just looking around the museum or something. Not at all. Not at all. So can you imagine? You could. You will have only a couple of hours for your free time in a week. And now you have huge money. And then how you can get your reward? I, I think... Yeah, I think you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna think like this. Okay, 
I don't have any time to spend this money, but I do want to get some reward because I work really hard. I deserve to do have that. Um, I see. I so, re- so like the expensive watch, the cars, it's just, uh, it's almost like an escape. You know, they they have no time, so they validate themselves with these by buying these things, buying what they can afford. Yeah. Most of the people in that's, Asia... That's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sad because you're yeah. going to get paid vacation only like 10 days a year. 10 days a year. You know, I, I hear a lot about uh, places in Asia like Taiwan and China, uh, I think Korea as well. People, men are actually dying in these uh, internet cafes. You know, yes. they're, they're, they're spending like three days straight uh, playing computer games. and just Eating computer, out. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like the reason the only reason that they're doing that is because they're trying to escape from the real world situation that they're faced with. Yeah, yeah, it's really intense. It's really intense, and it's really sad. And I noticed you you yourself. Uh, I, I read one of your blog posts. You said, uh, "Well, I, I don't know if I if I should say this because it's it's kind of sad, but." Uh, when, huh? <laughs> when, when you left, you said, you know, I'll go anywhere in the world because anywhere must be better than here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so I think, you know, I, that, yeah, uh, my childhood was really pretty painful. But I think now I'm, I don't know now, I think that was maybe, I think I was really lucky because without, that kind of experience, I'm pretty sure now I I must get married with someone. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm going to wash my ki- my baby's diaper at this moment. Yeah. Without <laughs> any nor- I'm pretty sure. I mean, really. <laughs> so, so if you look at travel as the, as the best way to, to break free from those expectations? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I... I uh, you, you said I'm, that... Uh, and also, you said yourself... If I didn't step out of my comfort zone, all the miracles uh, in my life over the last seven years would not exist. Could you just tell me about a few of those miracles mm, that you mentioned? Okay. Okay. First, okay. I could study in China, which is really, really interesting because China is one of the biggest country in this whole world, especially in terms of economy, right? So if I, I think everything is connected to each other. Okay, it's kind of cliche, but connecting dots. So when I was in Australia, I got a job offer, which is translating the English website, English uh, application, and English web service to the Chinese one. And then that, was, that helped me a lot in a financial way, a lot. So if I couldn't speak in Chinese, you know, right? And also because I, uh, I studied in China and I studied and speak in Mandarin. That's the one of the biggest main reason I got a job from San Francisco because they wanted to do their business in China. And then after San Francisco, in San Francisco, I realized startup and tech industry is something really temp- really tempting and something really I can I might be really interested in. So my whole career is started in, from San Francisco, and then after San Francisco. I I, st- um, I used to work for a tech media company in Seoul for a year. And that is the time I had this kind of, whole, that's the time I realized, I found out all this whole problem, the big problem in our society. So that I makes see. me 
yeah, kept thinking about what is the work and life balance. And although like people life should be like this, there must be another way. There must be better way. And then that makes me start hitting the road. And then I was traveling. I started my traveling. Now I'm here. Now I'm saying, okay, I'm going to make a documentary about digital nomads. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you've come to know these different cultures in these countries, they've all sort of become a small part of you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you're not you're not just Korean. You're just uh, you're a citizen of the world. Would you say? <laughs> right? Technically, I don't even home in South Korea. So now I'm staying in hotel in Seoul. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so fascinating, though, that that you can go out into the world and and bring this new perspective. You know, mm-hmm. get this acquire this worldview, this global worldview, and bring it back to your home country, and try to make a difference there. I think that's really fantastic. Um, can, if I want to ask you, so if, if what advice would you give to people uh, who want to become a digital nomad? And maybe, maybe they don't want to travel, but you know, if, if they just want to, to to do things differently, can you break down the process? What would you tell them? Actually, I'm I try to avoid to push every people who I meet. Okay, you need to start. You need to start hit the road. Okay, you need to quit the job right now. I really try to avoid to do that because for the every person, although like situation could be different from person to person, and also perception and although situation and financial way, like let's say family ties, everything should be different. And also for the most of the people, um, let's say there is a two ways of two ways of live right let's say a a current one and the b something new one and then most of the people they don't never ever move to b from a without any knowledge about b enough knowledge about b enough information about b or another like uh, unless they are pretty sure about okay b must be much better than this my current situation unless unless those kind of certain you know certain reason most of the people they don't move at all to the next next one. I so see. I, yeah. So I think I really want to do. Let's say I really want to spread out this kind of another way of life and traveling, adventure, and new opportunity in a different way, which is show the reality and the provide them information. Just instead of like instead of speaking like a guru, hit the road, there will be a lot of singing waiting for you, you need to change your whole life, and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that is the best way for me, in my, in my personal opinion. So in a more practical way, I really want to show exactly what is the reality, not only about dreams or not only about inspiring or like sparkling or those like stories, like Cinderella or fairy tale, I really want to show the reality and then actually what kind of obstacles you can get on the road. So, yeah. So, so you don't want to force anyone to do anything. Um, you're encouraging people, you know, do what you want. Yeah. Uh, to they need to have motivation to choose B over A. But I also think that a lot of people don't have any reasons for what they're doing in the first place. I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and maybe we need to, to think about what's, ask ourselves, you know, what do I really want and why am I doing what I'm doing? And what, mm-hmm. you're, what you're doing with your documentary is you're trying to offer a different perspective by mm-hmm. showing a different, different ideas and showing examples of people and their stories. Yes. That's the whole process broken down. Okay. Wow. 
possible. <laughs> so, okay, I got two more questions for you. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. If the old you could see the new you, what would she say? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Could you explain me a little bit more detail? What is the old you? If if the old you before you you became a nomad, if they could see you now, mm-hmm. uh, what what would she say? Is that a tough mm-hmm. question to answer, or uh, I can move on to the next one? <laughs> yeah, can we? Just I got no idea. Old old me, like the the girl who used to study and live in South Korea, right? Yeah, exactly. And what what advice would you give uh, to your old uh, your younger self? Let's put it that way. Mm, I'm gonna say just mm, okay. It's pretty tough. Can we <laughs> next one? All right, no, no problem. <laughs> um, Thank you. So, so tell me a bit more about the documentary and uh, some of the people that you've interviewed for this documentary. I'm working on a making documentary named One Day Ticket. It's a story about digital nomads who work and live everywhere they want. And most of them, they are work as a freelancer or they are working for their company remotely or they are making their stuff by themselves. This is the kind of story about all those people. And then I also talk about the writing industry, about digital nomads, and then also talk about diverse demographic and lifestyle of them. So at this moment, I'm doing crowdfunding because I'm doing this independently and I need all the help I can get at this moment. And then I'm going to uh, I'm gonna start my filming travel in April and then I'm going to stop by whole like digital nomad spot such as Thailand, Bali, South America and Europe, especially Prague and Berlin. And then that could be really awesome, exciting journey for me. And also for me, it's a kind of really huge and interesting, awesome experiment to what kind of what kind of thing I can show people from this documentary. Also, how I can reach out to as many as audiences to let to let them know this story. So I'm really excited about that. And also, if there are anyone who is interested in this documentary as a like sponsor or potential interviewee or potential filming or editing crew just let me know the my email address is hi and using that deal and then yeah uh that's what i'm that's what the uh or after release this documentary will be screened in many conferences and uh seminars uh entrepreneurship meetup and festivals including wds world nomination submit and dnx global the first digital nomad conference in Berlin. So that could be a really huge thing. And I hope I can, I can, I, I can show a lot of interesting story to the people who really want to know about digital nomad or they are all people who are currently enjoying their nomadic life. Guys, go check out her documentary and please help spread the word. Let's help her scale up this digital nomad movement and bring it to people who really need to kind of get a window into this lifestyle and uh, hopefully change their lives. And the the documentary is digitalnomaddocumentary.com. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing, Eugen, and also taking the time to join us on this podcast. Thank you for having me, Danny. Thank you.